Friends, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that we might know of the forgiveness and new life that he offers us every day. Trust the good news that we need not be condemned, but that we can walk in newness of life. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. In a moment, we will share personal greetings with each other, but I would remind our children, fifth grade and younger, that you may now meet your Sunday school teachers at the back of the sanctuary as our youth, sixth grade and older, are gathered in the youth room. Say hi to each other. So good to be together, isn't it? As we focus on service today, it seems fitting that we should lift up a few things that will equip you to serve and also some places that you might grow in your faith as well. So just to let you know that the deadline to sign up for the, our, our new class, How to Follow Jesus for Life, led by uh, Jack here, is next Sunday, January 17th. So that's the deadline because we're going to feed you lunch and we have to know how many of you are going to be there to see how many hot dogs we should get, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Costco only has so many. So anyway, so uh, please let us know by January 17th. There's about a a million ways for you to sign up for that class. And if it all comes down to it and you just can't figure it out, call the church office and say, I want to be in that class. We also have a new Journey Through Grief program that's going to be starting on Wednesday, January 24th through February 28th. And this is a great opportunity for those of you who have have experienced grief recently or a period of grief in your life that it just helps to come alongside other people who are experiencing that as well with a wonderful uh, uh, licensed um, social worker, Wendy McClave, Elliot, who leads these uh, classes. So if you'd like to be part of that, please look at the uh, website, and it gives you all the directions and instructions for signing up for any of these classes, or you can call the church office. And also, a group will be gathering on Saturday, January 27th, to feed the hungry and the homeless at Ventura Grove 
uh, Cove in Mission Beach. And this is a time when we get together and it, it's an ongoing established kind of community of people that come down and we have an opportunity to serve. Now, if you can't make that January 27th date, you can still participate by baking cookies, brownies, um, uh, lemon bars, my favorite, uh, you know, any of the, anything that you can eat with your fingers, uh, all kinds of desserts. We really need those because we want to be able to pass those on to the people. And, um, if they make it past the staff kitchen, then they will make it down to uh, Ventura Cove, uh, the bottomless pit, I should say, the staff kitchen. Anyway, so bring those uh, desserts if you would. And then finally, our kids, village leaders, and guests will be holding uh, in a communion class. This is a, a brand new thing for us to do, brand new as of the last 10 years or so, for our fourth and fifth graders on Sunday beginning January 28th through March 3rd, 10.30 to 11.30. And if you have a fifth grader, fourth or fifth grader, or you know of one or you see one on the street, I don't care, tell, bring them in for that class. It should be a lot of fun. It'll be very instructional. And I think that we'll build a good community among those fourth and fifth graders. There are a lot of ways to grow in Christ and there are a lot of ways to serve Christ. One of the ways that we serve in this church is that we step forward when God calls us to be leaders, to be managers of all these wonderful ministries and programs. Those are, are managed and uh, supervised and overseen by our elders and our deacons. And so now we would ask for all of those who are being installed or ordained into the office of elder or deacon to please come forward and join us here. All of the friends who are gathered here before us are those who have answered the call of the church and the call of God to particular forms of service as elders or deacons. All of us are called to serve, but in the life of the church, some are called in particular ways for special responsibility. And so these friends are here before us now to be ordained and installed and then encouraged and supported in their work and in their ministry. Friends, you have heard the voice of the Lord and you have prepared to serve in these particular ways as elders and deacons. And so now I would invite you to answer these questions of ordination and installation. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do and will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you? 
Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry working with them subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? For those being ordained and installed as elders, please answer this question. Will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in governing bodies of the church, and in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? For those being ordained and installed as deacons, will you please answer this question? Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And now these questions for the congregation. Do you the members of the church, accept these brothers and sisters as ruling elders or deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? Do you? I'd like now to invite all ruling elders and teaching elders of the Presbyterian Church to come forward for the laying on of hands and the prayer of ordination. Will all of you please come and stand here on the floor facing toward the front. Let us bow together in prayer. Almighty God, in your will and design for the human community, you have given to each and every one of us particular skills, interests, aptitudes, abilities, and faith that we might use them not only for our own good but especially for the good of others. We thank you for the gifts that you have given these sisters and brothers who stand here before us now. We thank you for calling them into the service of the church as the church serves you and your purpose of redeeming the whole world. Bless and be with them then. Give them wisdom. Give them patience. Give them courage and strengthen. 
Above all, give them love and faith and hope that they might lead us together as we seek to follow Jesus. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the life and ministry of the church in this way. God bless. Welcome. Welcome. God bless. Bless you, brother. I'll bet you guys didn't know how many elders and ministers we had sitting out there among you like ordinary people, huh? (laughs) So friends, there are many ways of serving the Lord. One of the ways that the Lord calls all of us to serve is in offering all that we have and all that we are. The ushers will now come and wait upon us as we present our tithes and offerings to God.
You may be seated. It is a great privilege and opportunity afforded to us by the God of the universe that we might come before him in confidence to express our deepest thoughts and fears and hopes. It is a similar privilege and opportunity that we have in prayer to listen to the voice of God as God speaks to us. So let us bow together now in the fellowship of prayer. Almighty God, from nothing you created all that is. From the dust of the ground you fashioned human beings. From your power you gave us the breath of life itself. And from your love you redeem and renew and then one day resurrect us into eternal life. Indeed, Father, you are good. We are your servants, O Lord, but we need your help in order to serve you better. The good things and the hard things of this life can distract us from clinging to you. So help us to keep our focus on you and to look first and foremost to you for the wisdom and strength and will to keep serving you. In this season when we are reminded of those who have stood up for the cause of racial justice, help us to see where we may be blind to the beauty of all your children and then help us to stand up for your righteousness and justice. In the constantly changing and often confusing world in which we live, help us to find balance, constancy, and courage through our knowledge of your presence. In a society where we hear messages all around that seek to divide us, help us to remember our common humanity. In daily lives that can be painfully interrupted by sickness or tragedy, help us to be calm and confident in the peace that comes in knowing that nothing can ever separate us from your love. And in daily lives that sometimes seem routine, boring, even pointless, help us to see the sacred beauty of the world around us, especially in the people whom you have given to us to share life with. holy work of saving the world. O Lord, teach us one new thing today, or remind us of one deep truth that we've forgotten, or simply surround us with your holy presence in order to correct us or encourage us, and then work your holy will of making us to become more and more like Christ Jesus. For now, we pray together in one voice, using the words that Jesus taught so long ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Or when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you. And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you are the accursed. Depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sickened, or in prison, and did not take care of you, then he will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. The first time that I read this passage, I was 12 years old, and I was an old soul, but a brand new Christian. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't hear these verses as a call for me to do more. I heard it as a revelation of hope that there were those who would and those who could finally see the mess that I was in and help me. If ever there was a least of these, I knew that my family was that. We had so many near misses, barely making it most of the time, not making it quite often, so many hurdles and barriers and hardships and addictions and homelessness and darkness. I don't really think I expected a miracle, but I felt hopeful. I felt that finally someone would ask, someone would see, someone would care because that's what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, according to this scripture, who would want to be an old goat? 
when you could be a fluffy sheep, right? And as a young person, I'll be honest, I didn't understand that it's sometimes harder, more intimidating, or less obvious for those close by to see your need or to hear your cry. And I didn't understand that hurting people, really hurting people, become very skilled at hiding their pain. So this small church that I started attending on my own, full of kind and giving people, never asked. There were no long talks with guidance and help. I just was there, and I just kept showing up. And in a way, it seemed to me that they lived out the revelation of this text by helping people far away in places they would never visit and with people they would never know. But to be fair, my expectations were unreasonable and unrealistic. But I was 12. That's the nature of being 12. You have unrealistic and unreasonable expectations. And I'm sure as I look back, I'm sure many people came and went and were seen and helped. But my family continued to struggle. But over the course of, a, of my life, I began to recognize that God is a God of the long game. And God has supplied over a, all of this time, these decades, the course of my life, God has supplied people and opportunities for support and healing and hope a thousand times over. People who took this scripture text as their life value and their mission. People who didn't look away, but instead looked deeper. Who asked questions. Who took a step forward instead of a step back. And who, when they stepped forward, reached out and, and were willing to take my hand and anybody else around them. The text is deep and expansive. It's a pivotal theme that I think helps us understand who God is and who we are to God, who our fellow humans are and what, who God expects us to be in relationship with our fellow humans. And I believe God redeemed this experience of my life for me in the way that many of you may have felt where our pain is turned into understanding and it becomes a significant catalyst for the trajectory of where your life is going to go when it's redeemed. I have a deep empathy for those we consider least of these. The least of these are those people who are waiting to be seen, to be heard, to be valued, to be cared for, to be loved. And when our sorrow turns to joy, we have to remember the grace that's been given to us our whole lives long and step into the shoes of the giver generously and lavishly, seeing and healing and loving and caring. And to begin to appreciate that at some level, we are all, each and every single one of us, the least of these. And as the saying goes, be kind, for everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. This season, we're looking at familiar tests that are central to our faith. 
the pillars that create a foundation for living a life in the light, a life that worthy of our master's trust. Last week, we heard about a pillar called love. And this week, we look at a second pillar called service. And service is born out of love. God loves us and teaches us to serve the divine mission of loving each other through Jesus Christ. And when we look at Jesus as our model, Jesus was a servant leader, washing the feet of his disciples, working and sacrificing what he could have had a comfortable life. And he sacrificed that and gave it up. And finally surrendering with complete trust to the love and will of God. So when we come to a teaching like this in Matthew, we're hearing not just from the voice of our Lord, no, not just from a Savior, but we're hearing from the voice of experience. This last teaching in Matthew does not begin as the parable of the talents, which was right before it. We have all this series of, ta- of parables about the kingdom of God, and then this talent says, for it is as if a man going on a journey. But in this parable, there is no as if clause. Jesus seems to be saying that this is how it will be when the son of man comes in glory. He says nothing about faith or doctrine, nothing about being born again or becoming member of our church. And all of those are good and wonderful things, and they're what we need to progress in our faith, but Jesus doesn't say anything about those. This isn't a picture of the church, you see. This is a picture of the nations. This is a picture of the people. This is a picture of us. The last judgment scene is the final and climactic passage in Jesus' discourse of the end times. And until this point, this whole block of parables in Matthew The focus has been being prepared for the unannounced coming of Christ. You know, the Christ that will show up in the twinkling of an eye, as we like to say. And here Jesus seems to go back and fill in the metaphors of of the parables in chapters 24 and 25. The question is, how do we prepare for Christ's return? And the words that he speaks, they jab and they taunt and they burn and they recoil. What you do for and to the least of these, sick, hungry, homeless, oppressed, imprisoned, you do to me, Jesus answers. And this is what it looks like, he seems to say, to stay awake when the master comes at an unexpected time. And this is what it means to bring oil for the long nights of waiting. The oil has become food and drink and hospitality for our neighbor. This is what it means to invest your talents while the master is away. Invest in those who have nothing to eat or drink, those who are naked and sick, those who are strangers or imprisoned, those who will never be able to pay you back. What you do for and to the least of these, Jesus goes on. Within these familiar words of Jesus are three profoundly important ideas for us to understand. The first is it's a statement about God. 
The God of Jesus, the God of the Bible is not a remote supreme being on a throne up there above the clouds or not out there somewhere in the mysterious reaches of the universe. No, what Jesus is saying in this text is that God is here in the messiness and the ambiguity of human life. God is here, particularly in your neighbor, you know, the one who needs you. You want to see the face of God, Jesus says. Look into the face of one of the least of these, the vulnerable, the weak, the children. The second radical statement is about the practice of religion. You cannot read the paper and not be concerned about the role of religion, how it plays out in the world. Terrible atrocities are committed by people shouting that God is great. Religious officials from all walks hide clergy abuse. Religious leaders condemn each other, break fellowship with each other. We can't get along, so we just won't get along. We invest inordinate amounts of energy and resources fighting one another over who gets in and who is kept out. Can you imagine? over whose doctrinal formulas are true and whose are false, over a whole laundry list of issues about which Jesus has absolutely nothing to say. He did, however, say this. When you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Students of the New Testament know that the, the only description of the last judgment day is in Matthew 25, this text. There is nothing in it about ecclesiastical connections or religious practices. There is not a single word in this passage about theology or creeds or orthodoxies. There is only one criteria, and it's so important for us to hear this. There is one criterion here from the mouth of Jesus and that it is whether you saw Jesus Christ in the face of the needy and whether or not you gave yourself over in love in his name. The third most important thing about this subject, however, is not social, it's not political, it's not economic, and it's not religious. It's personal. God wants not only a new world modeled on the values of Jesus, but God also wants us, each of us, you. God is not a social engineer, but a God of love who wants to save our souls, to use the language of the old revival meetings. God wants to save our souls and redeem us and give us the gift of life, true, deep, authentic human life. And as a person who used to be 12, I can tell you all of these many decades later, God is the God of the long game and doesn't give up. God wants to save us by touching our hearts with love. God wants to save us by persuading us to care and see and serve other human beings who need us. That is how we find ourselves. 
God wants to save us from obsessing about ourselves and our own needs and being stuck by persuading us to forget about ourselves and worry about others. That's when you'll find yourself. It's just in the giving. That is God's favorite project, to teach you and me the fundamental lesson, the secret, the truth. To serve is to love, and to love is to live. Jesus has already done what he calls his followers to do in this judgment text. He has fed the hungry, remember, on the hillside, thousands. He has welcomed tax collectors and sinners and other strangers to meals, and he's been rejected for it. We could go verse by verse through this gospel and find one clue after another pointing Jesus' vision of righteousness and kingdom living. His first teaching, the first thing he teaches, overlaps with his last teaching. Judgment day intersects with the present hour. We live in a double exposed photograph in which the last day and the present day are part of the same picture. When and where will the reign of God come? And Jesus told us in his first public words in Matthew, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Judgment is happening all the time and Jesus is with us all the time. And Jesus is very clear about the timing of the last judgment. The gospel will be proclaimed to all the nations. And then no one has the foggiest idea of when Jesus is coming again. Though we do not know the time, we cannot know. And God help us. Don't you hope it's a long, long time from now? I remember back in the 70s, the Jesus movement, which I was a part of, of course, it was that age, that we just used to say, all, walk around all the time, Maranatha, Maranatha, Jesus come, Jesus come. And then I, as I grew up, I thought, what am I saying? I'm trying to, I want Jesus to come long before there's so many people who don't know Jesus yet. So while we're here, Jesus has given us a lot of work to do. He expects us to feed people who are hungry, to quench their thirst, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked and care for the sick, and to visit those in prison. You see, that's what following Jesus for life looks like. Amen. Stand with me and let us affirm our faith together. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, 
so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. of God, arise, your light has come, and isn't it wonderful? And may the love of God and the wonderful mercy of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now listen, God has told us what to do, now let's go do it. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen.